You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Well, amen. If you would take a copy of God's Word and open to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. And today I start a brand new series entitled The Amazing Church. Now, let me tell you what really makes a church amazing. See all these kids right here on the front row? See what happened today? Right up here, you saw them even march out, and here you are on the front row. Now, guys, let me tell you, sometimes I get excited and I spit. So if I hit you, you may get baptized again. It'll be a sprinkling, though, but you've already been immersed, okay? Amen? But I tell you what, uh, just like we just sang that chorus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess one day that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Amen. The greatest decision you ever made in your life with the acceptance of asking Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior is following him in baptism. And I pray that your testimony today will serve as a testimony to others, others that need to do that. So thank you for being obedient to that today. So today we do. We're going to talk about the amazing church. Verse 33 of Acts 4 says this. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Now, you need to know that the world defines a great church, an amazing church, all wrong. You say, well, how so? Because a lot of people say, well, you know, an amazing church has huge crowds. They have stained glass windows. They have pipe organs. They have amazing buildings, huge offerings. Messages that just kind of leave you feeling good and tingly when you leave. Well, you see right through all of that or else you really wouldn't come to church here. And yet modern Christianity defines a great church differently than God defines it. In truth, most define it about the same as the world we just discussed. The early church had great power because of the amazing grace of their amazing God. Now, think about that. The way Lima Baptist Temple can become a great church, or what I like to say, an amazing church, is when we make it all about Him and His greatness. We aren't a church when we make it about other things, go through the motions, and we just play church. An amazing church will also have amazing people. They will. They will have amazing people. Now, I want you to think about that. They don't consider themselves to be great. But amazing people are fierce followers of our great Savior. They believe they have gone, uh, they, have, they have a long way to go, even if they have come a long way. We've had some amazing things to happen at our church. I mean, just like last week, we baptized some, and today we baptize a bunch more. There are churches, I've said this before, all over Lima, all over Ohio, all over the United States of America who would love to baptize as many people as we see God doing things here with that. You see, baptism is an amazing thing. But we have, to, we have far to go in order to be an amazing church. Millions of people, if you'll think about it, worship Jesus Christ every week, and they do so in church as the church. And of course, you know, COVID and Live stream has reduced that number immensely, but it's getting much better. But if you walk into various churches, 
And you should ask what the word church means or what the word church should look like. The odds are that you'll either get a blank stare or different opinions. But as God continues to bless Lima Baptist Temple, let's be careful that we grow into the church that he intends for us to be. I think we can learn much from the first century church. But before we can look at the church as a whole, we need to look at first what I would call an amazing church member. What they really looked like in the first church. And I want to show you today what the church member of our dreams should look like. Now, the church member of my dreams would not look like maybe, well, let's just say he would not be the Apostle Paul. Oh, I'd love to have Paul, I suppose, in the congregation, but think about it. I'd personally had, hate to have a congregation full of Pauls. Now, you talk about being intimidated while he's up here preaching. Think about that. I just don't believe I'd enjoy preaching to a congregation of a lot of Pauls. And I sure wouldn't want a congregation of Simon Peter's. Can you imagine what that guy would be like in a business meeting? Oh, Simon Peter. He was the apostle with a foot-shaped mouth. You always knew where you stood with Peter. I mean, I love Peter. I'm glad God made Peter. But I believe God made one Peter because we needed him, but only one because he's the only one we could stand, okay? And thank God for Simon Peter. I mean, he's a great guy, but I just believe I'd like, I would not like a church full of Paul's or Simon Peter, okay? But there's a man, a church member that we read about in the early church that I wish I could have a church full of. It would be this man, Joseph. Verse 36 of Acts 34 says this, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. They called him Barnabas. Joseph is the name he was given. And the word Barnabas was interpreted son of encouragement. Well, you say, what's so great about that? Well, that word is paraclete. It's the same word that the Holy Spirit is called by, the comforter. It literally means to come alongside. So what does that mean? It literally means encouragement. They nicknamed him Barnabas the encouragement. They said, you are Barnabas. You're the guy that encourages us every time we're around you. You see, folks, if there's anything that people need today, it's encouragement. Because there's so many folks who are discouraged today. The Bible says that we need to encourage the discouraged. If there is anything that we really need more so in this day and time right now, it is those who know how to encourage people. And that's the gift that Barnabas had. He was a great encourager. So I want us to see four characteristics in his life. The reason the first church was an amazing church is because Barnabas, the encourager, he helped carry the burden. You see, in Acts 4.36, when it talks about Barnabas, here's the context. The Lord Jesus said, I'm going to ascend to my Father, and I'm going to send my Spirit, and He's going to come, and I want you to wait until my Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes, and of course, you know Pentecost. Thousands of people trusted Christ. They heard the gospel concerning Jesus. And the Bible says thousands of people came to be followers of Jesus Christ. People become, they just started pouring into the city. Now, what happened is this. There was a great distress in the land of Jerusalem at that time. Revival had broken out. And many people wanted to know what was happening. 
And they just started pouring into the city of Jerusalem. You've heard me say many times from this pulpit, when a church is on fire, people will come to see it burn. Hear that? When a church is on fire, people will come to see it burn. So many of them became Christians, and they decided to stay and learn more about their faith. They had no homes to sleep in. There were not hotels. They were not a wealthy people, just common, ordinary people. And besides that, the early persecution arose immediately. I mean, anytime things start happening that quick and people start getting saved, there's always persecution. And so many of these people had no place to go. They had nothing to eat. It was just turmoil. And there was a great need for financial resources and immediate needs. Look at verses 36 again, 37. Thus Joseph who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. So to field he owned and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now Barnabas had some property. He said, I know what I can do. I've got a piece of land. It's a very valuable piece of land. I can sell it easily. And he sold it and he gave the money to the apostles and said, here, this should help. Now what he did was this. He saw a need and he moved in to meet that need. He saw a burden and he decided to help carry that burden. And the apostle Paul later wrote in Galatians 6:2, bear one another's burdens. Bear means to carry. You see, that's what an encourager is. He helps lift burdens from people. You say, Pastor, I don't have any property to sell. Well, you don't have to have property to help carry a burden. Maybe you have love you can give. Maybe you have wisdom you can give. Maybe you have advice you can give. Maybe you have time you can give. Maybe there's a mother next door that has a sick child that you can help with. Maybe there's somebody you know that has an elderly parent whose mind has been leaving them. Maybe there's somebody you know who's lost their job and needs somebody to loan them a car or something like that. You see... We all have something to give. Because if we think about it, there's somebody that we can say to, look, have you got a need? If so, I believe I can help you. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Now, be honest. To be in a church full of people who want to help carry somebody else's load and bear somebody else's burden. Amen? That's what this man Barnabas did. He just had land and he sold it. And by the way, Barnabas knew the difference between ownership and stewardship. He did. A lot of us think we own what we own. We don't own it. We are, we're only stewards and managers. And it needs to be available to the Lord if he wants to use it. You say, well, Barnabas lost what he had. No, he didn't. As a matter of fact, think about this. He still has it because the only thing we carry to heaven is what we've given away. Did you hear that? Barnabas still has it. You see, folks, true wealth, when it's divided, multiplies. I heard a story about a millionaire who has an incredible business, and he decided to make God his business partner. So he decided to make God the, the, you know, the, the main partner with the most percentage. So he said, I'm going to give him 51% of everything. So this was kind of his solemn contract. God would be the senior partner with 51%. 
This man had been blessed, but he said something that stayed in my mind. He said so many times, think about it. If you tithe and you give your, you know, the tenth, okay? You give your 10%. And then instead of, you, we think about it, we think about how God blesses us off at 90%. No, listen. He said, if you really think about it, it's not the 90% that God blesses. It's the 10% that you give that God blesses. I've heard testimonies ever since I've been here and ever since I've been in ministry of people who have given thousands of dollars, even in this church, and hundreds of dollars, and would go and give it on a Sunday and go to their mailbox on a Monday and get it back just like that or something. I mean, I hear stories all the time. You know why? Because you can't outgive God. It's in the Bible. It's all this because you never, if you don't test him, you don't try him, you don't prove him, you'll never find that out. Listen, God is a given God. God is a loving God. You see, it's not the seed that's kept in the barn that increases. It's the seed that is invested that increases. It's that which you give away. It's that which you invest and it's that which you sow. It's that which you plant. That multiplies and comes back again and again. And the way to get is to give. And here was a man who didn't give to get. He gave, however, to help carry a burden. He was an encourager. I thank God for the Barnabases in this world. What about you? Let me tell you another thing the encourager is to do. He is to collapse the barrier. Let's look at Acts 9 which is right after the conversation of Saul when he became Paul. Now, Saul was persecuting uh, the church. You remember that? And on the road to Damascus, you remember what happened? Jesus appeared to him, and when he was struck blind, he became a Christ follower. But now they wanted to kill Paul. Why did they want to kill Paul? Well, they felt that Paul was a traitor, a turncoat. Well, how would you fail? They brought Paul to your house, right? And you knew what he used to do to these Christians. Paul had been persecuting the church, and now he lined up with the church. And so they thought of him as a turncoat, a traitor, and they wanted to kill him. Now here he is, and here he is with his former friends, and now they want to kill him. Look at verse 23. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were well afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So now he needs to go and be with some other Christians in Jerusalem, and they are afraid of him. They are suspicious of him. They don't think he's really been saved. Huh? What was your thought? Be honest. But Barnabas took him. Just underscore that. Now, what did Barnabas do? Barnabas was one that collapsed a barrier. There was a barrier there, and it needed to be removed and collapsed. There are a lot of people who need an encourager, who have barriers in their life, especially when it comes to church. Don't miss this. Do you know what the new Christian needs? Folks, if anybody needs encouragement, it is a new Christian. Many times they feel like it's so hard to break through into our churches. And especially if they come from a different background, a different culture, a different socioeconomic status. 
They feel like, oh, I'd love to be a part of that group. Man, I'd love to go to that party. Man, I'd love to go to that class. I'd love to stand up and just have fun and laugh with everybody else. Oh, God, give us some Barnabases who will reach out and find these people and bring them in. Look at this. We're not a family until we act like a family. That's what an encourager is. I want to tell you another reason that Barnabas was an encourager. He was one to connect the brotherhood. Now, what happened is this. A revival meeting broke out in Antioch. The gospel fires are beginning. I mean, this church is on fire, buddy. The Christians have been persecuted. Many of them had left Jerusalem. Some of them went to Antioch. And they began to tell the story of our resurrected Lord. People believed. And the revival started, and there was an upheaval. That city was turned upside down and inside out for the Lord. And word of that revival had gotten back to Jerusalem, to the headquarters, where the apostles were. And they said, a lot of folks, a lot of Greeks are getting saved over there in Antioch. So they wonder, is this true fire or is it just wildfire? Is that of God? We've had these same things happen in our lives. You see... It had no apostolic credence, no guidance, or approval to it. So they say, how do we know what's happening over there in Antioch? How do we know that it's real? They had not approved it. They had not initiated it. They had not watched over it. They said, we wonder, is that real Christianity? Is God really blessing there? Should we approve it? Well, we better send somebody to investigate. Well, who do you think they sent? Barnabas. You guessed it. They sent Barnabas. Look at verse 19 of chapter 11. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking to the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on a coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Now he goes up there, and the Bible says that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and he saw the grace of God. He saw God moving in such a way. He said, my goodness, this is the unmistakable stamp of the authenticity of God. The Bible said he encouraged them. He said, you've got it. Praise God. Hold on to Jesus. This is wonderful. And old Barnabas He's just going around slapping backs, hugging necks, saying hallelujah, praise the Lord. Man, this is of God. And the Bible says he encouraged them to go on with the Lord. Now, here's the important thing I want you to see about Barnabas. You see, over here in Jerusalem, we're just going to call this the tra just traditional Christianity. Even though it's young, it's still old enough now to have tradition to it. I mean, the apostles are here, and they know exactly what God is doing. I mean, these are the Jews. And over here in Antioch, that is just spreading. I mean, something is just spreading. And these folks back in Jerusalem, 
didn't start it. They didn't control it. It's among the Greeks, and it has a little different form, but it's the same thing. And here's Barnabas. Barnabas comes from that group, but he knows the other group. And what he becomes is someone to connect them together, to connect the brotherhood. He's a fellow who sees what God is doing here, and he knows what God has done. He knows the old, and he sees the new. He believes in the tradition, but he also believes in the frontier. And he is used of God to bring these two groups together. You see, we need that kind of person in our church. Do you know what's wrong with some people today? They look at something new and they say, we've never done it this way before. Well, there's three kinds of church leadership. There are task takers, caretakers, and undertakers. Did you get that? Now, there are a lot of people who don't want to be a risk taker. I said task taker, risk taker. Think about it. I mean, they like it just like it is. And they don't want anything new. They don't want anything to disturb them, to just stay right in their comfort area. If you remember when I came here, in one of the first, I don't know, three or four months I was here, I said, we all need to get very comfortable at being uncomfortable. You see, they like it just like it is. They are back in Jerusalem. But see, old Barnabas has a vision. He says, hey, God wants to do something wonderful. Thank God for the encouragement he gave them. And also, he gave the folks back in Jerusalem. That's the kind of a guy, an encourager that Barnabas was. You have to love them. There's a story of two pastors who were talking. One said, do you have any committees in your church? The other said, yeah, man, I have a lot of committees. He said, do you have any standing committees? He said, yeah, man, we have standing committees. We have sitting committees. We even have committees lying down. We even have a water committee. The other pastor asked, what's the water committee? He said, well, when, other, when anything ever good, glorious, grand, and great happens, there's a self-appointed water committee. They come and pour cold water on everything. You see, they just simply say it can't be done. Now, we don't want to be like that, people. A Barnabas is one that connects the brotherhood, and he says, I want to bring people together because of the cause of Christ for no other reason. Look at verses 25 and 26 of chapter 11. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, here's what Barnabas does. He looks around and he says, my goodness, look what has happened here. Man, these folks really need to be taught. I mean, all these people are coming to Jesus. You remember all the thousands that came to Pentecost, at, to Jesus at Pentecost. They need somebody to develop them. I mean, we've got, some, we've got to get some new wine skins to put this new wine in. I know just a fella. It's that guy Saul. Now remember, he doesn't see with the eyes we see. It's not the Apostle Paul that he sees. It's that new convert that he sees right now. That's all he sees. He says, I wonder where that fella is. Boy, he'd make a good teacher. Man, he's got the gift. I mean, with his background, I know that he could do a lot. I wonder where he is. 
Oh, some folks say he's down at Tarsus. So Barnabas goes. Well, you stay right here. I'm going down to Tarsus. Have you seen Saul? Oh, there he is. Hey, Saul. Hey, buddy, come on over here. Let me just tell you something that just happened. Man, revival has broken out in Antioch. I mean, there's a lot of folks there hungry. There are thousands that are getting saved. And they need a teacher. And Saul, you're the guy who can do it. I've already seen you. Listen, God has given you an uncanny insight to his word. You have the ability. Hey, Saul, come on, brother. I want you to go back there, and I want you to teach those folks. You can do it. So Saul comes back, and he becomes the most proficient teacher of the word. That people are first called Christians at Antioch because he infuses them for Christ. Now, what this man did was he finds a Christian and finds hidden talents and buried gifts, and he develops them and brings them out. That's what we call discipleship. In every church, there are people like that. There are people who need to be found. They need to be discovered. They need to be encouraged and developed. They have gifts and abilities. But it takes a Barnabas to find those people. Now, Barnabas, he just plays second fiddle. I mean, you don't hear much about Barnabas. I wonder if there might be some people like that. I wonder if there are not some people who could sing, some people who could preach, some people who could teach, some who could do all of these things and encourage her as just somebody. I mean, listen, that just brings people along, just encourages them and sees great things in them and just helps self-motivate them. Man, but God... That's what I ask today. Just give us some Barnabases. Some people who say, there's a fellow named Saul down there. I believe Saul could do it. Saul, come here, son. There's a job that you can do. I see it in you, and you can do it. And Barnabas stood by his side, and he encouraged him. No wonder they called this man Barnabas. No wonder they called him encourager. But I'll tell you one other thing about him I really like. And this is the last thing. He was one to care for the broken. Here's what happened. Paul and Barnabas have connected to become missionaries. And on the first missionary journey, as they went on, Barnabas says, you know, I have a nephew. Y'all remember his name? Mark. John Mark. And Mark was called John Mark. He said, I have a nephew who would like to go and He's interested in missions. Paul said, fine, bring him along. Well, then things got started, and guess what? Mark quit. I mean, he just quit. You remember the story? He dropped out. Now, I don't know why he dropped out. Maybe it was too hard on him. Maybe he was afraid. Maybe it was just, again, whatever. But maybe he was homesick. Maybe he was just spiritually discouraged. Maybe he was just backslidden. I really don't know. But I'll tell you this much. What happened is this that John Mark went back home to be a mama's boy. I mean, he went back home to mama. Now, later, they're going on a second journey. And Paul says, come on, man, let's go. Let's go check on the churches. And Barnabas says, that's fine, I want to bring Mark. Paul said, no, you ain't bringing Mark. What do you mean? He's my nephew, I want to bring John Mark. No, John Mark, he's a quitter. You don't understand, jump, no, he ain't coming. Y'all remember that disagreement? No, you're not getting Mark, says Paul. Mark's a quitter. I'm not going to be encumbered with him anymore. You can't depend on him. We're not taking Mark. Paul, I believe we ought to take him, says Barnabas. 
we're not taking Mark. See how this goes on? We're all right. But I'll tell you, Paul, there's some good in that boy. Mm. Paul says, I'm sorry. He's a failure. He's a quitter. I don't care. We're not taking him. And they agreed to disagree. Look at verses 36 through 40 of Acts 15. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So the Bible says that this disagreement was sharp. Do you know what happened? Barnabas said, okay, I'll take Mark and you take somebody else. And that's exactly what we just read. And so Paul and Silas went their way. And Barnabas and Mark went their way. And I mean, these, they were brothers, man. But they just agreed to disagree. They simply felt so strong about it. Because you need to understand that good, they were just good men who differ. But now Barnabas takes his failure. This boy, this quitter, this coward, or whatever he was. This backslider. And he reaches down and he lifts him up. And he puts his arm around him and he says, come on, John Mark, you still got some good stuff in you. You can do it. And I want to tell you, that was the same John Mark who later wrote the gospel of Mark. Do we understand that this morning? Thank God for that. That was the same man we read about here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Fast forward many years, Paul was in prison when the apostle Listen, Paul was in a dirty, dark Roman prison. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Luke is with me. Get Mark. Amen? And bring with you. He is very useful to me for ministry. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? This one man, the one man, all the world Paul wanted when he was in prison, he said, bring Mark. Bring Mark. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that there was somebody who will care for those who are broken? You see, Paul realized that Mark had changed, but never would have if it wasn't for Barnabas to be the encourager. I'll tell you what, I thank God for the encouragers in my life. And even weekly here, it's not just text messages and emails and phone calls, but every week, Pastor Gary has his Bible study class on Tuesday mornings. He just started back in March, but it never fails that one of the people over there of these senior adults walked by my office and stopped and encouraged me or hand me a card. And it's always amazing the timing of it. You just need to understand there are people who can sit on the curb and danger, dangle their feet because they're so low right now. You understand me? And what they need is somebody to come alongside them and encourage them. Let me ask you a question. Do you sometimes just feel like you're a failure? That you're broken? What you probably need is some Barnabas that's come along beside you and say you're not. 
there's still some good in you. And I tell you, I want to thank God for Barnabas who founded John Mark and a man that even Paul wouldn't have anything to do with and said, come on, son, I love you and I'll give you another chance. Let me tell you something today. We all serve a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. You hear what I'm saying? And he loves you more than he can ever express to you. Just like this morning, we have these boys sitting on this front row. And it does my heart so good because they have done what they should have done. Not only did they come to know the Lord, and some have known the Lord for a long time. I already know who they are. But it took this long for them to be baptized. But guess what? Somebody kept encouraging. And it was just the Spirit of God. And finally, they answered and said, I want to follow in believer's baptism. Man, that encourages me. That should be encouraging to you. If you're here today, no matter if you're 10, 20, 50, 70, 80, you know the Lord, you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. If you're here today and you don't know who God is, you've never met Him as your Lord and Savior, you need to ask Him to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, tell Him you believe that He died on the cross to save you from your sins, and on the third day He arose from the dead. And one day He's coming back to live with you. If you believe that, you tell Him that. And you will be a born-again Christian. Some of you, if you're looking for a church home, and maybe this is a place God has called you to come to, maybe you can do that today. Many of you, maybe you just need to come. Maybe you want to come and pray with somebody, encourage them. Or maybe you want to come and get encouragement for some of your pastors, and we can pray with you. Whatever needs to happen today, I pray that you will be obedient to God. Let's pray together. Father, as we get ready for your invitation now, Lord, as always, I pray that people would obey your spirit. Lord, I thank you again for this group. This lady and all of these young men right here that have come today to say that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Lord, I pray for others in this church today that need to be baptized. That God, they would come forward today and say, Pastor, I need to be baptized. Some may come and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer today. I just became a Christian. Lord, for others who are looking for a church home. Lord, for others who are just broken, who just need to come. Lord, and be encouraged that God, they would find what all they need today. Lord, they would find it today right here at the foot of the cross. So, Lord, you do what you have to do with them. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.